0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of CIR Realty Business Mastery. Uh, My name is Lindsey Smith, co-owner at CIR. And, you know, I wanted to do this segment a little bit differently than some of our past episodes. And the reason is, is um, I had written a course called the Bachelor Program. And this is available for everyone at CIR Realty on your virtual office. You guys get all the notes that I'm talking about here. Just go to your professional development section down into. Uh, the the bachelor program to be a link right there and you'll see all the past notes and everything already filled in so you get the instructor version of the notes there uh, but for everybody else I am going to be showing you an excerpt that uh, uh, of this of the bachelor program notes today and today we're talking about objection handling and specifically objection handling for listings. This is kind of one of two parts. We're going to be doing objection handling of buyers in a future episode here coming up. But for now, I do want to talk about objection handling for listings and I want to take you through an objection handling process uh, that we recommend. And then also uh, we're going to talk about 10 of the most common listing objections and what you can do to um, you know deal with them and work around them and we'll give you guys some tips on how to work with this throughout the process so um, i want to jump absolutely right into it and i'm going to share this document here with you so you guys can see this and this is this is the Uh, From our bachelor program. Uh, This is actually week five, uh, which is working with sellers and specifically, you know, working with the listing appointment and um, walking through that part of it. And then obviously talking about objections going through this. So, um, so this is, I'm going to be referencing this guide. We actually have further down here. We have right here, the 10 common listing objections, and all the points that I'm talking about are actually in there as well. So those of you that are listening, uh, take good notes, but uh, those of you that uh, are watching the video, you're gonna see some of these points um, on the screen as I work through them and show them the best I can. This is a PDF document, so it's not gonna translate to the screen quite as well as I might like, but um, let's start by talking just about objection handling right away. And that is, especially when we're talking about objections that there's there's only a few common objections that are are likely to arise and you know you need to remember that buyers and sellers aren't sitting at home trying to invent new ways to screw you up or new ways to Test your knowledge. Of course, there's things that come out of left field every once in a while. But for the most part, there's only a few regular objections that people are going to get. And one of the things that we recommend is obviously practicing regularly to master these objections. Um, It's going to give you great confidence in the objection handling practice, um, in in the objection handling process. And one of the things we used to do, actually, is we used to write these down on flashcards get with partners and we would actually bring it up. We'd say, you know, um, you know, can you, can you list it for less commission? You know, we want to wait. Uh, we don't want to list for quite long. We want more advertising, whatever they happen to be. And then the other person just, you know, off the cuff was able to, um, handle the objection and it became where these were super super easy and your training became so hard because they were just throwing objection after objection after you in your role playing that when you got to an actual listing appointment this was just absolutely second nature. And I love this next point here that I'm just gonna highlight and that is that remember an objection is feedback that something may not have been clear in your presentation. So once you go through and and figure out these objections, once you make a list of them, um, what I want you to do is go back to your listing presentation, go back to your pre listing phone call or however your process is in your pre-listing package and figure out how you're going to deal with these questions in advance so they don't come up later. Um, Again, objection, in my opinion, is just something that hasn't been clear that now you can um, go through and deal with. And, and any buyer or seller who is unclear will often hesitate to make a final decision. So here's a bit of a process that um, I'm not going to go through every single time uh, as I give you guys an objection simply because it'll just be very repetitive for you. But when someone gives you an objection, we, we suggest going through and handling it with three steps. Number one, validate their concern. This is This is very, very important that you are uh, telling them that you appreciate where they came from. You know, you have to remember that everybody's backgrounds are different. What they learned in life is different through, um, teachers, through uh, their parents, you know, wherever else, the schooling they had, uh, you know, maybe religious, you know, whatever it happens to be, maybe it's the cultural surroundings where they grew up, that they have a different belief about how this, um, how this transaction should run. Maybe they know more than somebody else, maybe they know less than somebody else. And whatever that background is, whatever someone's past experiences or past experiences are doesn't make them wrong or right. So uh, your experiences are no different than somebody else's is very neutral. It just means that we all have different knowledge and it all came from very uh, you know real sources just like yours did. So your beliefs are equal to somebody else's beliefs and that way you have to validate what they believe. You can't invalidate and say, no, that's stupid because what you're basically saying is the person or the society or the culture or their friends or these people they respected that taught them to think the way they do, you're basically calling them stupid and you're invalidating their beliefs. So it's okay to not agree with it. They're, they're, their beliefs may be unfactual and not based off of fact. But you have to say, you know, I can totally appreciate where you're coming from with that. I can totally appreciate that. So if someone says, hey, can you do it for less and say, you know, I can totally appreciate that. The next step, so the first step is validate their concern. The second step, clarify it, you know, what is it about the commissions or the value that I'm offering that you're concerned about? And then you can go through and ask that and then you listen. And then the third step, once they've answered, you educate. Let me show you. Let me show you something. And any time that we can handle objection by showing somebody something, uh, maybe a stat, a piece of proof, uh, share a story, whatever it happened to be, um, those are great much better ways to uh, handle those objections. So using tools and visuals to assist, assist with objections can be a great way to get your point across. And we always say, never tell them what you can show them. So that's how we start off. Someone asks you an objection. Um, hey, can you do the listing for a lot shorter? Hey, I can totally appreciate why you believe that. Um, what's important to you about having a shorter listing contract? We're clarifying it. We let them talk, we let them listen. And then we educate them. Okay, you know, let me show you a few things. Uh, let me share some information for you. So um, those are the three steps. Validate their concern, clarify, and then educate them. This, plus the other thing that it does, it actually buys you time to, you know, sort of gather your thoughts and, and customize your response to what they say. You never want to react to a question or an objection. You always want to be, have a, a carefully thought out response to it. And, and going through this process helps you buy some time with that as well all right let's get into the 10 objections so i'm going to try and zoom in on my screen here and again if you're listening to audio don't worry i'll read it out you guys aren't going to miss anything and the 10 common listing objections this is actually sort of a yeah i'll just scroll those documents so you can see what i'm looking at we have them all listed out here with a different objection handling points so that's a pretty bit of a preview of what we're going to go through and you can see that all these are written down but this is point form so i'll go into each explanation Um, a little bit further and just explain what it is. So let's start with the first objection, which is we want to wait. So you're about to get the listing contract signed and they say, you know, we we just want to wait a little bit. Well, um, and maybe they want to wait in the listing and we want to wait three months. We want to wait for whatever. Well, this is actually in a stall, not necessarily an objection. Um, obviously asking the question, what specifically is causing you to hesitate? and then find the real objection what it is. Oh, we think the market might go down. We think the market might go up. We think interest rates might do something else. Um, Our our funds aren't ready yet. We don't, we're scared. We're not gonna be able to find a new house, whatever happens to be. So the first thing is, um, you know, prices may go down in the market. Maybe they, um, maybe if they want to wait, one of the things you want to educate them on, and this is obviously the response to it is, you know, have you thought about the prices may go down in the market which means you're going to be losing equity and especially if they're if someone is downsizing in a marketplace then you know they are typically taking the cash out of their their more expensive home and downsizing to another home so if prices go down they're going to lose more on the more expensive home Um, also if prices are on the rise then they will also miss out on future gains in a new home and they could lose money overall in the case that they're upsizing so each one of these responses doesn't necessarily work for everybody but you can pick and choose as it fits the situation so remember if prices are increasing and they're going to move into a new house they say oh well prices are going up why would we sell right now well they're going to buy in and they don't want to miss the future gains on the other house so that's another thing to consider and then also um, interest rates may go up Um, in the environment that we're in right now you know basically in the middle of COVID right now. It's July, what is it? July 17th, 2020 right now. Uh, You know, we're in a historically low interest rate environment. And if interest rates do go up, then it reduces the purchasing power of buyers. On July 1st in Canada, we had um, a new mortgage rule change where buyers lost a little bit of purchasing power. So these changes can happen all the time. And if someone's waiting on the fence, then you could be taking more buyers out of the marketplace. So it's important to educate them on that as well. And seasonal traffic may change depending on the time of the year. So right now, if they are in, you know, uh, springtime or maybe this February and they said, you know, we want to wait, well, if they're going to wait till summer. They're going to miss the, the traffic. And if they're gonna, if they're in summer and they're going to wait until winter or, or the late fall, they may miss, um, you know, some traffic as well. So depending on what the seasonality is like in the marketplace, um, a buyer or a seller may miss out on some traffic. So the concept of we want to wait, it's very, very important to help them understand. If they just want to wait a little bit, um, and we're going to talk about this one, you know, we want to think about it. But if they want to wait a little bit, you know, let them know that it also takes you know, a week or so to get their home fully ready for marketing, to get up on the marketplace. So that can be another way to handle it. All right. So that's objection number one. We want to wait and some ideas on how to handle it. Objection number two, we want a short listing agreement. Maybe they say, you know, we'll just list with you for 30 days. Let's see how you do. And then we'll go from there. Well, typically the MLS rules, uh, at least in in the Alberta marketplace in Canada, are They require a 60-day listing agreement, Um, but a 120 or six-month agreement at 180 days gives you more time to help the sellers reach their goals. So it's important to remember that. Um, So one of the things that you might wanna educate them on is there may not be enough time to properly and uh, to properly assess and adjust the marketing have you ever had to do a price reduction on a home have you ever had to take new photos have you ever had to change the description have you ever had to do these things it takes time to figure out how the market is responding um, that's absolutely critical If someone says we want a short listing agreement there may not be enough time to even get our marketing correct and it's important that you educate sellers up front that you know marketing and the marketplace especially in, in places like Alberta where we're riding an energy market, um, and there are lots of fluctuations, um, you know we need to c- put our best foot out there and then we need to adjust as well. So we need to get a feel for the marketplace. So it just might not be enough time with using a shorter listing agreement, even at a 60 day agreement. Um, you know I will be investing in your home and building relationships to take a buyer, which, which costs money and stuff. I don't know if I'm prepared to invest as much if I know that we only have 60 days to do this and maybe the average sale, is taking around 60 days right now so you can then you know show some of the average stats uh, depending on the market conditions and use that to say there's just frankly isn't enough time and doesn't make sense for me to invest all this marketing if I know that we, we aren't going to be working on this over the long term. So I'll be investing your home. And the other one is, is I'm going to be building relationships to find a buyer. You may be building industry relationships, relationships within, you know, CIR where we have, you know, over 700 realtors that can help find you buyers as well. Um, so things like that take time. You may even have back to the first one here, a two week coming soon marketing period, which takes away, you know, 25% of the listing time. So we want to make sure again, that we are um, adding in enough time to get that done and relationships take time to go. And also it it just takes time to find the right buyer. Um, That's that is obviously true. um, Especially when people say, you know, their, their answer is that, well, we just need to find that special buyer for our home. There's that one person who will pay 10% more than it's actually worth. Well, you know, it it does take time to find the the right buyer. So uh, we want to price our home correctly at the start to give us the the best foot forward initially. That's obviously one of the objections we're going to handle, but we also want to give us the right time because even at the right price, there's not always the right buyer that's waiting in the wings to buy a home. Okay. So that's number two. Uh, We want a short listing agreement. Apologize as I scroll up to number three. Oh, we're not done yet. Um, So... Uh, another one here of uh, we want a short listen agreement. Another um, another way to talk about this is is you can you can do this if we're willing to you know reduce the price immediately. And I have this writing here of Holt Renfrew versus Walmart. So, um, I always tell people that our job is to market the home. Anybody can sell the home. Um, but our job is to market the home. And would you like your home to just be, and I actually use this as an objection if someone says, Oh, Hey, we want someone who's the top producer in a certain area, or someone might sell more homes than you did. And I always say, yeah, Walmart sells a lot more product than Holt Renfrew does and and you know uh Kia or you know some other car manufacturers nothing against Kia they're a great car but you know they sell way more cars than Ferrari does or or Lamborghini but how do you want your home marketed do you want your home marketed like it's Holt Renfrew or do you want your home marketed like it's Walmart so in order for us to do the proper marketing then we are going to need to take that amount of time to market the home so if you want to be a whole rim-through, we need a bit more time to mark your home versus Walmart. Because at Walmart, you know what, we can just do a rollback on your price and get the results that you want. And the last thing, we use this a couple times, is a service guarantee. If someone wants to, is hesitant about listing for a longer period of time with you, um, we have a service guarantee that we that we've used Um, when i had my business and and a real estate team and basically what it was is you know i said that my client my clients work with me because they choose to not because they have to so it said hey here's everything we agree to do for you and if you are if we're not performing on this everything that we said we're going to then you have the right and if we can't remedy it within seven days you have the right to cancel this agreement so if we're not doing what we said we're going to do you can cancel this agreement, and we did that as an, an addendum to the listing contract, our, our listing guarantee. Some people even say, cancel with us for any reason. That's fine, and then you can obviously in the agreement, you know, say you get some expenses back if that's the case as well. That's up to you. But a service guarantee of they can cancel the contract under certain terms is one way to get around that. All right, that's number two. Will you cut your commission? So this is number three is probably the, the one that most people dread uh, the most. Uh, and that's the one that uh, I think people struggle with the most. It's very important to role play these initially because you don't want to be caught you know, stumbling and stammering when somebody asks you these questions. And I always see it in, when we do role playing in classes when we get to this point because this is what I like using for role playing. When you actually ask, when you're with two people in a group and someone asks a question, will you cut your commission? They say, oh, well, you know, I'm a new realtor. So I want to hear how you answer that. And it's like, it's a cop because you got to think if you were actually on a listing appointment, you're not going to say, oh, I'm new. So I don't know what to say. You know, you're going to say something. So you might as well get it out in your practice time. Um, okay. So will you cut your commissions? Uh, if someone asks you that, my first response was actually, yeah, sure. And if you buy a home with me, so we sell your home and you buy a home with me, or I personally bring the, bring the buyer, as in I'm, I'm you know, getting both sides of the transaction here, under those two circumstances, I will give you a reduction. Maybe that's $1,000. Maybe it's, you know, I'm going to pay for a percentage of legal fees, whatever happens to be, 2000 You can figure out your own business. But in those two scenarios, I always said, yeah, under these two scenarios, you know, I will do that. Um, Another one is this. And obviously not everybody has that plan and you don't have to. It was just something where if I was going to get two ends from the same person on a buy and a sell, you know what? I gave them a break. And then I had a little asterisk in that they had to have a firm contract uh, upon a firm contract on a new property. Then we would do up an amendment to reduce the commissions on the sale by X amount. And that's how we structured that. Will you cut your commissions Um, written down here? It says, let me take you through a breakdown of how both realtors get paid. Um, This is very important in our marketplace. A Very common commission rate is for the seller is 7% on the first 100,000 and 3% on the balance. Whatever market you're in, if it's 6%, um, that's fine too. But consider that you have to draw out for them. They think that they're paying you, so let's say it's a $400,000 home. They think that they're paying you the $16,000, but they're actually not. You're actually only paying you eight and even out of that um, there's there's marketing that has to come out of that and, and everything else so you're actually getting much less than the buying realtor the person that's bringing the buyer who's receiving that three and a half one and a half that 50 percent that of the commissions so the first thing that i do is someone brings it up is i always say let me, let me show you how, are you familiar with how commissions work? And they'll say yes. And I say, well, let me just break it down a little bit to uh, just so that we're clear on the same page. So I draw like seven and three or $16,000 at the top. And then I draw two little lines and I draw 8,000 and 8,000 um, and, or three and a half, one and a half. And then I explain that, you know, we're only getting half of this. So we're only getting 50% of the commissions right away. That's the portion we're talking about. Cause obviously we're not going to jeopardize your sale by cutting the commissions here. So um, on the other side, we want to offer full commissions that you're competitive in the marketplace. And then on this three and a half, one and a half side, um, we're, we're going to go in and talk about, so we have our marketing expenses that we're going to pay for this. and It's you no know, cost, us roughly X amount of dollars to do this. You can go into that or not. But the next question I ask is there, you know, of a, typically you've already gone through your marketing plan at this point uh, before we talk about uh, commissions and things like that. Um, or you whatever your structure it is, but then I say, you know, let's if I haven't gone through my marketing plan, let me just pause for a second here and say this. If I haven't gone through my marketing plan, I say, let's talk about commissions after I talk about my marketing plan. Because hopefully you have a marketing plan that is deliberate and and intentional, um, i.e., everything in there is there for a reason. Because then you can ask the question, so you want to reduce the commissions. Which of these specific marketing efforts would you not like us to do? Because it's all about affordability, business model, things like that. And then whatever they say, it's like Mr. And Mrs. Seller, um, I believe, you know, we put together this marketing plan together by looking at the very, very hard details and research onto where the buyers are looking, things like that. I believe I'd be misrepresenting you and not getting you the most value for your home by doing anything, anything less than our complete marketing package for you and so that's it and then you can just say you know we don't have to work together that's okay Um, i understand that but you know this is my fee and you know we believe this is fair the buyer is getting more than i am we're bringing the clients um and you know going from there but that's it so are there any specific marketing efforts that you would like us not to do also we talked about this one really quickly cutting the commissions i.e if they say hey you know we want two thousand dollars off well then i'm gonna might take a thousand dollars off my side so now it's five and three Um, so I'll take a thousand dollars off mine and a thousand dollars off the buying side. And so now we're sitting at, and then I would draw two and a half, 2.5 and 1.5 and say, if realtors have listings at this amount, and they're not supposed to, they're supposed to show every listing, but would a realtor be more motivated to sell one where they're going to get paid more. So we'd be sabotaging our efforts by not offering enough money to attract realtors. And then again, we talked about this one as well. I'd be misrepresenting you by cutting anything out. And this last one, um, it looks like it's cut off here a little bit. Doesn't matter. Um, So the last last one is, you know, how hard will I protect your money during a negotiation if I'm not even going to protect my own money? And that's another one that's sort of a bit more old school. Lots of people are a fan of it. I'm not personally a big fan of it, but obviously you can see the, the point that's there. So how hard would I protect your money during negotiation if I'm not even willing to protect my own? And don't forget, as I just start, some people say, Why don't you just say no? Um, you know, will you cut your commissions? Nope. No, I, I don't. This is my fee. And and sometimes that's enough. So again, you guys can um add in these as as you start, but I always liked saying, yeah, actually, under these two circumstances, they say, oh, well, we were kind of thinking just overall because this other person does this fine, you know, let me take you through how this works, break it down. They'll be sabotaging other side. Oh no, they're going to take the cut. And it's like, okay, well in that case, if you want me to do it personally, I'm already doing way more work than the buying side and I'm paying for all the marketing. I'm putting uh, my, uh, my money at risk here. Um, in addition to what specifically out of this deliberate marketing plan to get you the most amount of money possible, do you want me to cut out? And then you just let them go ahead and do it. Um, and say what they're going to say next. All right, uh, moving on to number four. says, we want to interview other agents. Uh, my next question on that one would obviously be clarifying. We're supposed to clarify all of these before handling them. What specifically are you looking for in an agent? And in some cases they'll say actually we have an interview after you so i have a bit of a script written here and it says are you comfortable that i can get this the job done for you or i can get this done for you um and then they say yeah actually you know we are but you know we have this other appointment i say well i'm concerned about waiting as the marketing is already going to take a few days to prepare which it will you need photos you need staging you need to um start preparing your listing the the comments things like that so by interviewing more agents they're just going to push this back even further. And if timelines are important to them, then getting started today, because again, we don't want anything to happen. We don't want interest rates to increase. We don't want the buyers uh, buying power to decrease. We don't want anything else to happen to prices. We don't want to see any price reductions happening here in the marketplace. We want to get it going now. So if they're going to be interviewing the agents this week, you know, we're losing marketing time. So this is one of my favorite things to say is, you know, I'm concerned about weight as marketing market it's going to take time to repair let's get it signed up first here. And what we can do is I will call the other agents on your behalf to be fair and give them the first opportunity in case they have a buyer waiting in the wings to bring it in before we even go on MLS, before we even go live on the marketplace. And then, you know, if I'm saving some marketing money, I can pass that along to you, whatever it happens to be. But the point here is lots of agents will say, oh, you know, I might have a potential buyer for you. No problem. We'll give them the first opportunity. We'll be nice to them. We'll call them up immediately and give them the first opportunity to bring the buyer before we even go live on the market. But Mr. and Mrs. Seller, please, please, please don't wait on this. There's too many things outside of your control and I can start getting this um, everything done up immediately for this. So that's one, um, that's one piece. Um, another piece is some agents just may not realize that um, how agents collaborate and work through uh, commission sharing and IDX feed. Now, if you don't know what an IDX feed is, some of the markets is different, it's a RETS feed, but basically what it is, is it means that your listing is going to go on to all of the agents' websites in the marketplace who have a feed of all the listings. So you don't need to worry if someone says, oh, we wanna use this realtor because they have more traffic to their website. And they will will sell that. They will say, oh, well, you know, we have 5,000 buyers or 10,000 buyers or however many thousands of buyers who have just registered on their site, which is BS because they're probably on like 50 different websites they've registered on. But anyways, your property, explain to them that the property goes on those sites as well Um, So you don't get just um, my website, or carrealty.ca, or realtor.ca. You get all the websites, including like leading leading RE, luxuryportfolio.com, if it qualifies for that. But the point is, is all the agents in the marketplace collaborate and we all bring our buyers to all the listings and we all work together and we're sharing all the same information. If you go on anybody's website, you're going to see your listing sitting down there prominently in the place in the community that should be. And we're going to maximize that. And that's the difference. So you don't need to worry about missing out on that. So we all collaborate together. So pick the person that you're most comfortable with, pick the person who's going to do the best marketing job for you, which is obviously, is myself. And if they want to wait to interview other agents, what we're talking about here is you can say, you know, my clients work with me because they choose to not because they have to, and we have that service guarantee again, where again, if I don't, you know, I will put my money where my mouth is, try it with me. If you don't like it, or I'm not living up to what I said is going to, you can cancel. I don't know too many agents that will do that. Uh, number five, we don't know if you're qualified. So I'll just move back up here. So I, we don't know if you're qualified for the job or you are too new. So the question here is, and most people won't say it this way. Um, they say, well, you know, we want to think Well, what is it? Well, you know, you just, you know, how long have you been in the business? You're young. I've actually had that happen. I mean, I started in real estate when I was 23 and all I had was khakis and golf shirts, which probably made me look, you know, 16. So it wasn't until I started wearing a suit. So one of the things here is, you know, I would say dress like the people who uh, you're you're meeting with. Take advice from. Obviously, some people say, "Oh, just dress however you want. Dress how you're comfortable." It's like, well, yeah, you know, you I understand that concept. And you know, Silicon Valley, you know, if you're wearing jeans and uh, you know hoodies and things like that, now it's like, well people still do judge people when they walk into the room. So you you need to be aware and you might as well have it where instead of having to sit down and now, you know, win people over with your intelligence and get over top of that first impression that you didn't even make an effort when you walked in, um, you know, why not have it where they believe you right out of the gates by, by dressing the part. And if you work with rural acreages, you don't want to overdress the part either. We've seen, we've seen that happen. So you can dress for the community that you live in, but um, dress the part, but, that's just one way to do it. So you don't look too new. But if they do give you that objection, um, you know, I would ask the question, what specifically are you looking for in an agent? Wait for that, just like our last question. And then one of the things you want to go into, and this is where the brokerage can come in, and obviously with CIR Realty, having more, more realtors than any other brokerage that work together, not like, where we're combining friend, independently owned franchise offices that are on silos and actually compete against each other. This is, we're talking about a collaborative group of people who share information, who can share uh, data, who can share, uh, obviously not private information with their clients, but you know who can share listings and coming soon listings and things like that and just are, have access to a bigger network, is that the explain the power of having the entire brokerage, why they're not just hiring you, they're hiring the brokerage, can do a, go a long, long way. Uh, Explain the extent of your education. Some of these people, I've been around the business for 25 years. Well, the way that online marketing was done 25 years ago or wasn't done 25 years ago, uh, do you think they're up to speed with the current marketing strategies? You know, we're using Instagram. You might be using TikTok. You might be, you know, totally up to speed with the stuff that's happening today. And do you think buyers and sellers bought properties the same way back then when that person started? Are you trusting that they're keeping up with the times? You know that saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks. There's some truth to that. Um, people are, you know, are reluctant to change. They're resistant to it. So explain the extent of your education, the power of your education, how up and modern your education is. Um, and then also. Explain the power of your network, and this is where you want to align with some of the best people in the industry. Find out who the best photographers are. Find out who the best stagers are. Find out who the best lawyers are. And then I love this statement of you know it's impossible for me to be an expert at everything. This is why I've surrounded myself with a world-class team of professionals to get you the best results. You don't just hire me, you're hiring my entire team of professionals and to get the job done. My role is to provide the best marketing for your home. And then we work with everybody else. Um, If you happen to not have any listings, uh, sell the amount of time you can dedicate to their listing. Say, I just so happen, you know, yep. Maybe you did start a little while ago in the business, or you happen to be at a point right now where they said, you know, I know you don't have any layer of the list in the community. It's like, great. Well, that means that I'm going to be able to dedicate that much more time to you. Do you want to be the one in 20, or do you want to be my one who I can now you know, dedicate my time to and get the results done? It doesn't change the exposure to your property. It doesn't change any of that. CIR Realty has more exposure than any other brokerage in the marketplace because we have more people, uh, more people to get your listing out to. We have bigger Monday meetings. We have more collaboration. We have more people on our Facebook page. We have all these things. We have more opportunity to do that. And I'm going to have more time to spend on your, on your listing. So if you don't have other listings, sell the amount of time you can spend on it. Uh, work on your presentation as well because if someone is questioning you know, how new it is, how new you are, or, you know, whether you're the right person for the job, your presentation might suck. Um, your listing presentation might suck. You may not have communicated yourself clearly. And again, that's what we say. Every objection is a reason to look at that. But just look at it, run it by some people. It may not have come across as professional. You know, was it printed high quality? Did it look like you put some time into it? Was it just a bunch of photocopied pieces? Did you look organized? Were you asking them questions, understanding their needs and then presenting a cohesive marketing plan for their property as well? So work in your presentation as the value may not have been communicated. And if you stuttered and stammered through the whole thing then practice it practice your presentation so it's smooth so it's slick so that people are you know immediately engaged with it and following you through the process and then obviously the service guarantee is another part of that all right number six um we want to list it high and to try it out first well let's just go down to here. So we want to list it high and try it out first. Well, the gist gist here is that the initial set of buyers are the most educated buyers and they're the under they they understand the, the current prices because they're the ones that have already looked at homes that are available and they were waiting for your home to come on the market. Right now, for your home, let's say it's a you know an 1800 square foot bungalow and it's it's gonna come on the market. Right now, there's a whole list of people in your marketplace that are waiting for a home to come up. They've been getting searches, they've been receiving properties, they've been exploring websites, they've been driving communities, they know. What's in the market already, because they've seen other homes. So when your seller lists it at a price that's too high, they're gonna look at that immediately and say, Oh, oh my gosh, I just looked at you know three others. And this the other ones were bigger, they had more upgrades, they had better features, they had a better layout, you know, whatever it happens to be. And they're gonna recognize that immediately. So when you put your first foot forward, you are putting your listing out to most educated people. And if it is crickets at the beginning there and, and no one is responding to it, chances are you might've missed the mark on the price. And, and that's super important. And those people may not come back. And this goes to our next points. Most of the traffic is in the first two weeks and we don't want to miss these buyers. Uh, when, when buyers come once, they often don't go back. It's like, yeah, we looked at that one. That's you know totally different. And their home may now be in a price range of homes um, and buyers will be comparing your listing to homes with those more features. So it'll be in a, a different price range of homes that are bigger with more features um, because they want to find that special buyer. But you have to remember is that if the, this house should be listed at five, you know, 575 and you're trying to price it at 620, then they're now in a market where all the buyers are used to seeing homes that are typically listed for 620. So they have beautiful upgrades, bigger lots, bigger, more square footage, whatever it happens to be. So now um, you, you actually sent this out there. It's literally like, you know, you walked into, a, you know, a Ferrari dealership and there's a Prius uh, parked there. That's probably an extreme example. Um, but you, you know what I mean, right? It's like, like that, that listing is just out of place and you sent it to the most educated group. So it's really, you really want your, your seller to be thinking hard about putting their, their right um, uh, the right foot forward on this. Uh, okay. Another come one, number seven, we want to renovate first. This is, um, you know, common. They might have improvements that they want to do. And we have this great guide that's a Canadian guide and um, used by a company that was based out of Edmonton. They now have offices in Calgary. It's a, it's a, it's not a home renovation company. It's an appraisal company and they put together this guide that is um, talks about how, much it costs to get certain renovations done and then how much return you're going to get for those renovations. So if we go into this home renovation guide, which I'll show you, and this is available in the on the, the CIR virtual office. I'll zoom out a little bit. So this is the guide here. And one of the things to have this with you, and there's actually a lot of appraisals companies, I know or sorry, uh, home inspection companies, Amerispec uh, has something similar. Um, There are um, other companies, I believe a buyer's choice does. So you can ask your home inspection company for that as well, or go to our virtual office in the what you need to know section, and you can download this. And what this is, it basically says, okay, if we had a 1100 square foot bungalow, uh, it goes through all the different interior and exterior improvements and says how much does it cost? So new flooring. It's okay. Well if you're going to put in hardwood, you know, it's going to be, you know, maybe $13 a foot, fine. The percent return on price that you're going to get from actual value in your home is only 60 to 80%. So you know if it's $10 a square foot, let's say you're putting in laminate, it's $10 a square foot, you're only going to get $8 a square foot back in terms of actual meaningful value. So that's an investment that Is not willing to take, and anybody that's ever done a renovation knows they never go on time, they never go on, they never stay on budget either. And you know the whole while we're at it syndrome kicks in, and it's like, oh, we got some extra tile, so while we're at it, let's do the backsplash here, let's do that, and it just snowballs into a disaster. The only the only renovation of siding and garages and things like that that makes sense uh, when you're preparing for resale is interior painting. And you can see the return is up to 110% on that. Now, keep in mind, these costs are, well, if it's done by a professional, if someone happens to be a professional themselves and they can do it for, you know, um, you know 70 cents on the dollar, then some of these might make sense. Um, but again, I mean, you better be able to do it for 40 cents on the dollar with some of these renovations. And if you don't do it well and it's shoddy workmanship, oh man, you're just setting yourself up for disaster. And realtors know that, but this can just delay things and then the, the listing takes forever. And then all of the issues that we talked about with we wanna wait, come right back into play. So I'm gonna go back onto the notes here for the bachelor program. So we wanna renovate first. Well, what's the return on their time? What can happen to the market now, uh, between now and then, uh, or your moving plans? So those are um, some things to consider with the renovation is interest rates can increase, buyers' powers can decrease, prices can decrease, prices can increase, prices can increase in which case the home they're buying is more expensive. There's all these things that can happen while they're fiddling around with the renovation um, or heaven forbid something goes really wrong. Uh, flood happens because when they moved around plumbing and now they've opened up cans of worms that they wish they did in the first place. And we see that All the time, whereas often just a bit of interior paint, some staging, and moving around furniture um, or bringing in new furniture can make a world of a difference, and just get the property in the market. Let somebody else take on the burden and the headache of the renovations. Uh, We want to think about it. Well, this is actually a stall, not an objection. Again, Um, and again, we talked about. Uh, what specifically is causing you to hesitate. That's what you want to try and figure out. Just like, you know, we, we want to wait. Um, We say, ah, you know, we just want to think about it for now. Okay, let's talk about that. So again, we want to wait is we want to wait for three months or we want to wait till the springtime or whatever it is. Um, This one, we want to think about it. Well, dig deeper into this. Um, Ask the question, how much time would you like? I mean, I think people actually need to take some time to think about it. This may, this may actually make sense to, you know, give them the night or a couple days, you know, Listing your home is a pretty big decision. And maybe you just got in early in the process and they just wanted a comparative market analysis from you. So you gave them a price of their home and you worked through the numbers and did that. And now they don't know if they want to sell or not. So this may legitimately be something that you just want to give them time to think about it. But I was the question, you know, know, how much time um, would you like to think about it? And you might talk more about, you know, the price of waiting again, like we talked about. Uh, You know, the other option is if it seems like they're going to go ahead and they seem like they're just you know, tipping over, and I can say, well, to save time, what if we did this? Uh, let's get the listing signed today and post-dated for 72 hours, and we can put a term in there that you know, if they decide not to proceed, it terminates, um, you know, if with written notice from the sellers, they can send you an email, whatever it is, no, we're not going to go ahead, but at least then I can start, um, preparing the marketing materials. I might not invest the money right away, but you know what? I can get the listing preloaded into the system. Um, I can do various things. I can start to, uh, you know, maybe start lining up appointments for, you know, the few days after that so that when they're ready to go, it's go time, and they're absolutely ready. And that will, you know, t- have people take an extra step of commitment uh, towards the end goal. And then again, the service guarantee, which I like, is you know, if we don't do these things and we don't see where it is, do what we say we're going to do. You can cancel at any time. Love that one. Um, this is one of my favorites. Is we want lots of advertising. Maybe they saw Homes and Land magazine. Uh, maybe they want uh, your their home featured on a billboard. I mean, we see things like that. Maybe they want mail outs sent to the community about all the, the great things their home has, like their neighbors are gonna just move down the street. I mean, the neighbors may know somebody and you can use it as a way to get deals yourself, but it's important to educate them um, on the advertising. So my first question I always ask is, well, what type of advertising? After I've tried to clarify and said, "Hey, you know, well, what? Tell me what what type of advertising you're thinking, or what's important to you about that?" Then um, they'll give you some information. But the one huge one here is making sure you're prepared with the proper research and the information. And it says here it's it's important to advertise where the buyer's eyes are looking. So we have a report, and the National Association of Realtors put out this report, and it's a US report, um, but in Canada we don't have the same data, but I'm gonna tell you, do you think home buying in Canada is that much different than home buying in the US? We all have these devices, these smart devices. Um, we have the iPads. We have the internet. Um, we're driving around our cars with the same tools. Um, the culture is very, very similar. You know, it, it is, there's obviously lots of differences still, but we're looking for homes. It's not like we're in the dark ages up here. So um, in Canada, this is, people are doing homes exactly the same way. We have the apps, we have the tools, things like that. So. So using this report is a great, great tool because it actually indicates where buyers are actually looking for homes. So this report that I'm going to share with you now is 166 pages, but on page 63, which I've already pulled up here for you, um, you will see it says uh, Exhibit 39, Where Buyers Found the Home They Purchased. Now, you're actually going to see another stat in this and I'm not going to scroll up because I don't want to lose my place here, but it talks about what information sources did your clients use? What information sources um, did they use to find a house? And you're going to see that. Yeah. You know, if I was in, Safe way or I was in the grocery store and I saw a homes and land magazine, I picked up that magazine and I thumbed through it to look at the different listings. Um, you know, I, I picked up the mail and saw some houses for sale and I looked at those. And if there was um, a newspaper, um, like, you know, the, the Calgary real estate board puts out a newspaper for properties. I flipped through that as well and looked for it. And it's like, well, okay, you use those. But where was the money? Where did you actually find the home that you purchased, the actual home you purchased? Because we can advertise in all the places that are available, but the reality is that the price of the list, instead of seeing being seven and three, my commission is going to need to be 30 and three, so I have enough of a budget to, um, to, to, to advertise this the way that you would like. So because we have limited resources, it's very important that we don't waste your money um, and we advertise in the most profitable ways possible, the most effective, the most efficient and sustainable ways possible. So here's all these pretty little graphs and numbers and the way this goes is kind of from uh, right, from left to right and top to bottom. So the first one, and I'll zoom in on this a little bit. So you can see all the numbers too and this is amazing because you can actually see how these items have changed over time. Um, So right now, internet. So how many people do you think found the home on the internet? Well, back in 2001, it was 8% of people. But now, 52% of people found it. So better than half, they're gonna find the home on the internet. Realtor.ca, um, you know, websites that are out there, those are all just the same listings as Realtor.ca. So basically, that's what we're talking about. And remember, your listing goes on everybody else's websites. So even if they say, oh, again, that person has more traffic on their site, don't worry, your listing is gonna be there too. That's great, okay? Um, real estate agent, 30% of people, or 29%, found the home directly from a real estate agent. So now we're talking about 81 of people found it through the internet, 81% of people found it through the internet, or their realtor. Then we go down to 6% where they saw from a yard sign or an open house sign. So that is now 6% of people found it that way. The next one is a friend, relative, or neighbor. Um, Someone told them about the house. That's 6% of people. The next one was the home builder. So they actually found it because there was a show home or um, an advertisement for that show home or uh, whatever it happens to be. And it, says, and it says, or the home builder's agent as well. So that is 4% of people. And then the last one is they directly knew the sellers. So, or they bought it directly from the sellers. Now, this isn't even like for sale by owner because you know, the, the uh, lots of these for sale by owner ones are listed on the MLS, in which case they find it on the internet. But if they happen to know the people directly, they went through there and that is 3%. So now we have this total that's being added up here, but there's these three little asterisks at the top here that, that are unaccounted for. And it's like, well, what do those asterisks mean? And what they mean is that less than 1% of the information was captured. So um, so anything with less than 1% just gave an asterisk. So this is print newspaper advertisement or home book or magazine. The things that some people want, oh, we saw this over realtor, that this pretty full page ad, I want one of those. <laughs> okay, well, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, um, I can happily increase our listing price, but let me share with you something. Um, it would be irresponsible for me to spend your money in that way because here's what the results do. And any realtor that is spending their money that way is only trying to get leads themselves. They're not trying to get real buyers for their clients. And it is, it's, it's its a vanity thing. It's to build their own business. And my sole job, to focus on yours now of course if you are someone that does advertise those methods then you can obviously bring that up and say yes i will you may not show this data in fact you probably don't want to show this data uh, depending on your style of business but just remember that these um, print media uh, places are ineffective for actually getting a home sold based off of the research all right so important to advertise where the buyers are looking um, and I said it more, or we could charge more. Uh, we could charge more for the advertising, or we can also and or do a retainer for advertising. Apparently, they do this in Australia a lot, where someone says, Hey, I'm you're gonna cut me 2000 dollars up front, and I am going to put that towards advertising. And maybe I deduct that from my commissions at the end, but now it also makes it where the seller is enrolled, where you know in our marketplaces here in, in Alberta sellers aren't typically giving you money up front so in which case they're not as motivated to reduce the price because they are not out any money out of the pocket and maybe you know they once the listing expires then that's the risk the realtor takes but if they actually want to uh if you want to get that person rolled in the process then have them say okay you cut me a check for you know 2000 3000 dollars upfront we will do these ads that you want um it's non-refundable that's a retainer and I will work hard and I will deduct that off my commission when it sells And and that could be a fair exchange. Um, And the last one, I love this. I love this concept. You have an overpriced listing. You have uh, something that's in that wrong price category. You know, the, the listing doesn't look great inside. And I love the statement that bigger signs don't make dumber buyers. So regardless of how big of a sign you put in the property, it doesn't make a dumber buyer. All right. And listing objection number 10 is, excuse me, we want to buy first, so you know we're worried we won't be able to find a property. Obviously, there's there's ways that you can um, get around this, but there is uh, potential for obviously double mortgage payments if their current home doesn't sell. So you definitely want to encourage people to be selling first. So they know exactly what kind of financial position they're in. Some people carry both properties, fine, okay. Again, this will be related to their position. Um, so they don't want, it, but most people don't want double mortgage payments. Um, they will have potential to give up a property that they've had their heart set on um, i.e. they 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 find a property they love and they put a for sale of buyers home condition or something like that and their house doesn't sell and then they got to give that one up and that's you know that can be really hard on people um, that can be an emotional roller coaster the other thing too is that you'll have dramatically reduced negotiating power due to the extra terms that are on the purchase agreement. So if someone brings in a special clause offer that basically says, okay, we'll buy your home, but we have to sell ours first. Then lots of realtors don't like showing those homes. Um, they don't like to do that. So then if someone says, you better bring a dang good offer. So you might actually end up paying you know, a few thousand dollars more than you normally would if you have to put that that really ugly term on there so if you have to do that then often i, I know on the buy side if i'm ex- or on the selling side if i'm accepting an offer with that they better have a dang good price um to, to bring forward on that and the last one here is that all of a sudden now if they really really want that home and um the, well two things is number one they're going to try potentially be in a place where um, if they have an accepted offer on the other one, uh, they're going to need to have that sense of urgency to put a fire sale in. And you know, if you talk about the need power dynamic, the higher the need someone has, the lower their power is in a negotiation, chances are this person may actually you know almost do a fire sale on their current home, which is gonna lose them tens of thousands of dollars because they want this other home really badly. Whereas if they were just patient, they may have got the other home, or like later on, or even a better home. You have no idea. And if that 48-hour, 24-hour, 72-hour clause is activated on the home they have the offering on, Now they have to decide. Now they're in a really, really tough position. Um, And this is dramatic. Um, The the biggest thing on there, there's also some realtors that will say, oh, we have this um, guaranteed sale price to make sure that you don't have two mortgages. It is BS. We're talking about pennies on the dollar that they're offering people and there's no quicker way to misrepresent somebody than trying to put them in a guaranteed sale offer. It can lead to mortgage fraud. Um, It can lead to a whole bunch of other issues and it's a bait and switch. Um, and, and I'm happy to say that because these, these, these they're advertising it um, and they're almost putting nobody in these contracts, which makes it limited available. So based off the Competition Bureau's act, it is bait and switch. We're working on that um, with the industry right now, but um, it's almost a textbook definition of it. And they don't disclose the terms and they'll always lead somebody into um, a regular agreement Um, So, it's a bit BS. So, make sure you educate yourself on that as well. If anybody wants the report, I've actually written a report to the government right now um, on guaranteed home sales. So, if you feel like you might lose a listing, that I'd be very, very happy to share that along. We have guaranteed hold agreements that you guys can see samples of that we'd be happy to share with you because of that as well. So, you can have ammunition in order to deal with that. Whew, that's a lot. That is uh, 10 listing objections. Again, make sure you guys are preparing your presentation well. Make sure that you are working through, practicing these things. Um, writing them down. We have it all there. Again, you guys can find this on the virtual office. And I hope you guys um, get out there and you know really uh, increase your uh, your ability or skill set for presenting this to clients. And you're gonna find those objections. Lots of them go away if you're ready in advance. But if you do get asked them. You're going to be prepared. You're not going to get them all, but you'll probably get a lot more. And it just takes, you know, a few percentage points every single year of getting better and better and better to make a massive impact in your business. All right. That is our business mastery segment today. I hope you guys enjoyed. We will be doing one on buyers as well. So look forward to that one in the future. And, um, you know, if you guys... Like us on Facebook, our uh, Realty Business Mastery. Uh, follow us on Instagram, and you guys can listen to this wherever you get your podcasts. All the best. Have a great week.